Well, we want to thank you so much uh, for joining us during this time of, of worship and now looking at God's Word. And thank you, too, for, for watching uh, during the week, the digital ministry, and for sharing uh, with your family and friends what's going on here at the Bible Chapel. You know, we've moved from red to yellow, and we have a statement about that on our website. Just go to our website, uh, click on COVID-19, and you can hear the procedures and things that we're doing as we move from red to yellow. And then uh, even uh, reopening, we have a team that's working on that as well. So we appreciate your prayers as we go through that process. Also, you know that we had a celebration service planned on May 30 and 31, but we're not going to be able to do that. And so if you want to be baptized, child dedication, uh, the different things we do during celebration, we're going to schedule that again. It's going to be a great time, uh, but we're going to have to put it off for just a few more weeks. All right, let's pray together before we open God's word. Father, we thank you that you're a God who loves us and you care for us and you know exactly what's going on. You are not confused by anything, although we may be. And we pray, Father, that as we think about that today, what it's like to live in this confusing time that you would speak directly to our hearts. We pray in Christ's name, amen. So we've started this series we've called Anchored, uh, Unshakable Truths in the Storm. Our theme verse during this series is Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. And that verse says this, we have this as our sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. This is, is Jesus, the message and person of Jesus. Jesus, the immovable one, is the sure and steadfast anchor of of our soul. And what we're trying to do in this series is, is very simple. We're trying to we're trying to to look at scripture and see what it what it feels like, what what, what the experience is to anchor ourselves in Jesus. Anchor ourselves in Jesus and experience him as that anchor of our soul. So a few months ago, I was, uh, I was on an airplane, and that tells you how long ago it was. Remember those airplanes, those tubes uh, that fly through the air? I was on one of those, and, uh, and we were getting ready to land. And I had all my stuff packed up and stowed safely in the, under the seat in front of me, and, and we were ready to land. And so the plane uh, comes down, uh, ready to hit the ground. I mean, I'm thinking the wheels are going to hit the ground, and then all of a sudden, man, we just took off back up into the air. Now that was a weird feeling and I was a little confused about that. The pilot came on and he said, well, you know, sorry about that, but uh, the flap on the wing uh, is not responding. He said, it's not responding. And he said, he said, I'm going to fix it. And I'm thinking, how's he going to fix it? Is he like going to crawl out on the wing with a wrench and, and fix the flap? How's he going to do that? So we stay in the air while he's fixing the flap. We were in the air for over an hour just flying around. Now, that was bad enough, but right around me, there were these people, I'll just say it, they were intoxicated. They were, they were a little buzzed before they got on the plane, and they kept drinking while they were on the plane. And now they're saying stupid stuff, right? Shocking. Intoxicated people saying stupid stuff. Um, like, oh, we're going to die. Oh, man, the plane's going down. Oh, Joe, I'm glad I could take this flight with you, this last flight with you. And so, man, I'm thinking, oh, great. I'm not afraid. I'm just annoyed at these intoxicated people around me. Now, finally, the pilot comes back on. Again, we've been in the air for an hour. Now, I'm no aeronautical engineer, but, but I know that uh, a plane can only have so much fuel, and the fuel is what keeps this tube up in the air, right? And so he comes on, and he says, well, I haven't fixed the flap, 
but we're going to land anyway. Now I'm really confused. So we couldn't land because the flap was broken. Now the flap's still broken and we're going to, we're going to land. He said, we're going to, he, he had some name for the landing. I had a name for the landing too. I just can't share it uh, in the setting. He had some name for it. And he said, we're going to come in. He said, hold on. We're going to come in hot and we're going to come. It's going to be kind of bumpy and we're going to come in fast. And sure enough, we came in hot and bumpy and fast, but I'm here, standing here, so it was a safe landing. Now, we're kind of on this flight as well right now, right? We're on this COVID flight, COVID-19. And, and here we are, we're flying around and, and we're kind of in a holding pattern. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to land. We're moving from red to yellow in these phases here in Pennsylvania and we're trying to land the plane, right? We, we just know, don't know what it's gonna look like when this thing lands. Will the economy come back? We don't know that. Um, will, will, the, will your job stick? Or will the job you were furloughed from, will it come back? Some of you college students, you're thinking about what, what's, my, what's my fall semester going to look like? Is it going to be all online? Am I actually going to go back and move in the dorm? Here, we're trying, again, we're trying to figure out all the reopening. Now, some of you, while you're confused about the situations with COVID-19, some of you have non-related COVID-19 issues, relationship situations, um, illnesses, loss. And so that brings confusion in your life. Now, here's the deal. COVID's going to go away, but confusion... It's here to stay, right? There's always going to be confusion in our life. So here's what we want to do today in this Anchor series. We want to cut through the confusion. How do we cut through the confusion and, and secure ourselves with Jesus, who is the anchor of our soul? So I want to take you to four places in Scripture, four very important places in Scripture so that we can cut through the confusion and secure ourselves, experience Jesus as the anchor of our soul. Now, before we get there, I want to say all scripture is important, right? All scripture is inspired by God. So wherever you are in scripture, it is important and God speaks to you through scripture. I was uh, talking to a friend this week. Again, uh, if you're following us uh, reading through the Bible, uh, our, my friend was reading through uh, First and Second Chronicles as we're reading through the Bible. And if you're, if you're not following us, by the way, just email me and, and I'll give you the, the link uh, to go uh, jump on that and start reading through the Bible, continue to read through the Bible. So my friend's reading in First Chronicles and, and, and he's reading this list of kings, Old Testament list of kings. This king reigned, he reigned for 40 years, he died. This king reigned, he reigned for two years, he died. This king reigned. And, and my friend was going through this really difficult time. He was, he was frustrated with something that was going on in his business. He said, I was mad, I was angry. And then I read in Chronicles, this king lived and he died and this king lived and he died. And he said, God just said, you know what? That king thought he was pretty important too. That king thought the stuff he was doing was the most important stuff of the day. And then he died and life is short and you're going to get through this and I've got you covered. Just honor me through today. So every, anywhere we go in scripture, we're going to be able to see who God is and how he, how he loves us and how he cares for us. But I want us today, particularly in this issue of confusion, to look at these four places, these four places in Scripture. And let's start with the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John does this. In confusing times, go to number one. 
go-to number one is the Gospel of John because there we learn how to know Jesus. Not just know about him, but how to know Jesus. Now, in the Gospel of John, he gives us the specific purpose as to why he wrote the book. Every book in the Bible has a purpose, right? But John is very, he just lays it out in front of us. In chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, here's what he says. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. I could, I could have told you about many things Jesus did, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, John's not just talking about eternal life. He's talking about life right now. And he uses that word believe, that word believe 98 times. 98 times in his gospel. And he uses it to say, he puts it in the present tense. And he wants us to say, you believe in Christ. When you believe in Christ, when you know Jesus, you, you can have a vital relationship with him. You, you can have a continuous relationship with him. You, you can have an active relationship with him. Knowing Jesus, walking with him. Now, John says, that's my purpose. And then he lays the book out like this. First of all, he says, I want you to know who Jesus is. And in the first chapter of the book, in the first verses of the book, he says, I want you to know who Jesus is. In the beginning was the word. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they start with the birth narrative, right? But John just says, I'm going to cut away from that. In the beginning was the word. Jesus was always. He's eternal. He's always been. He always will be. He was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. He's the creator. You want to walk with Jesus? You're walking with the creator. Without him, there was nothing made that has been made. And in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then he goes down to verse 14, and he says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John says, I want you to know who Jesus is. I want you to walk with him. I want you to live with him. I want you to have this ongoing active, vital, continuous relationship with the creator of the universe. His name is Jesus. He took on flesh and dwelt among us. Now, John says, I want to make sure you understand who Jesus is. And so he gives us seven signs. These signs are the miracles of Jesus. Uh, there are three healings that Jesus did that John tells us about. Again, he could have told us about many more. He chooses these three. And then he talks about Jesus walking on the water. He talks about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, he talks about Jesus turning water into wine. He talks about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. That's the creator who can raise a person from the dead. Then he tells us these, these seven I am statements of Jesus. He wants us to know who Jesus is so that we can have this personal relationship with him. And these seven I am statements, like the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. The seven statements that Jesus gets. And he wants us to know in doing that, I am the bread of life. I am God. I am the one who nourishes you. I'm the one, I'm the light of the world. I'm the one who provides the light on the path. I, I, I am the way, the truth, and life. You can't come through the Father, but through me. So John tells us, man, I want you to know Jesus, not just about him. I want you to know Jesus. Seven signs, seven statements, and then I love this. 27, in the book of John, 27 interviews or dialogues 
with different people. So it starts with uh, Nicodemus, right? In John chapter three, and Nicodemus says, you know what? How do, how do I have eternal life? Jesus, I wanna know, how do I have this eternal life? Jesus explains that to him, this Jewish leader. Then one of the dialogues is the woman at the well. I mean, this woman has had a tough life. Married seven times, kicked out of her home seven times, living with a man at the present. And she's given the task to go get the water from the well. And Jesus, in a divine appointment, meets her right there and says, I know what your life's all about. I know what your sins are. And I'm here to offer you living water. I'm going to give you something of substance. I'm going to give you something that will change your life forever. The last uh, dialogue in the book, the last uh, uh, section, uh, Jesus meets Peter. Remember Peter? The resurrected Lord meets Peter. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And Jesus is cooking breakfast out on the beach. And he's, uh, he's, he's, he's uh, cooking the breakfast. And Peter sees him. Peter's out in a boat and he sees him. And he jumps in the water and he goes to the shore. But I love the story because he goes to the shore. He wants to be with Jesus. But remember, he denied Jesus three times. He's like us. I want to be with Jesus, but my guilt keeps me from there. My, 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 my burdens in my life, the stuff I got going in my life. I want to know Jesus, but I'm standing kind of to the side, right? I'm kind of standing away from, separated from him. But then Jesus has that conversation with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Peter said, you know, I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Three denials, three questions. Peter, do you love me? And there Peter is restored and becomes this great leader of the church. Man, we have in John the opportunity to go see not just who Jesus is, but to know who Jesus is and to know that we can walk with him and we can be one. Like Paul says, Paul, Paul says this in Philippians uh, chapter three, but whatever gain I had, whoever I was, whatever position I had, whatever job I had, it doesn't matter. I count as loss for the sake of Jesus. I want to know him. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Do you want to know Jesus? You want to cut through the confusion in your life and go to the book of John and you'll be able to meet Jesus and be able to walk with him and be able to experience the anchor of your soul. All right, that's our first go-to place. Here's our second go-to place. Go to the Psalms. In the Psalms, we engage with God. Now, I love the Psalms for many reasons, but I got to tell you, the writers of the New Testament, they loved the Psalms as well. 60 of the Psalms are either quoted directly or paraphrased in the New Testament. 60 Psalms. In the New Testament, there are 150 verses either quoting or paraphrasing the Psalms. So the New Testament writers, man, they spent a lot of time in the Psalms. If the New Testament writers spent time in the Psalms, we should as well. Here's why Psalms so important. In the Psalms, God says, here's who I am. I'm a God you can trust. I'm the creator. I'm your shield. I'm your refuge. I am everything you need me to be. And I'm everything you need me to be. And 
I want you to talk with me. I want to communicate with you. In the, in the Psalms, we learn to pray. Now, I don't know what your experience in praying is, but when you go to the Psalms, you learn that prayer is simply communicating with God. You're telling God what's on your heart. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm sharing my frustrations. Sometimes I'm sharing some irritations. Sometimes I'm sharing my anger. God already knows it anyway. And I learned that from the Psalms. The Psalm says, how long, O Lord? Psalm 13, are you going to reject me forever? How long will you forget me? God, why do the wicked prosper? I mean, the psalmist just pouring, the psalmist just pours out his heart to God. And so when we go to the Psalms, it cuts through the confusion. Because we know that here's a God who loves us. And here's the deal. When you read the Psalms and you hear the and you hear the questions, how long, oh Lord, you're gonna forget me? Why have you rejected, rejected me? What are you doing in my life? They always end with this. Oh, but <laughs> I trust in your unfailing love. Man, I'm going to go back to you. I, I know I shared my heart. I shared my frustration, but God, only you I can trust. When we started the 12 15s uh, during this time, uh, one of the verses we said is going to be our memory verse here at the Bible Chapel so we can come back strong is Psalm 18 verses one through three. I love you. Oh, Lord, my strength. You are my strength. I don't know what's going on. I'm confused, but Lord, you are my strength. I love you. You're my strength. The Lord is my rock. You're my fortress. You're my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. You're my shield. You're the horn of my salvation. You're my stronghold. You are my anchor. And I want to experience you, Jesus, as my anchor. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. If you want to cut through confusion in your life, and life is complex. It is layers of complexity. We're always going to be confused about something. If you want to cut through it, first you go to the book of John and you get to know Jesus. Then you go to the Psalms and you learn how to communicate with Jesus. Then you go to Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. And you learn about spiritual identity. You learn who you are in Jesus Christ. You learn that you are secure. You learn that you are, that you are significant. You learn that you're accepted and forgiven and empowered. Now, I just want you to put a little bookmark there on that one because in a couple weeks, Dave Didonato and I, are, we're going to team teach through Romans 6 through 8. And if we are lucky, uh, uh, Dave is going to wear that bomber jacket uh, that he wore a, a few weeks ago. And, and actually, I, I actually, I, I had a bomber jacket before Dave did. And so I'll wear my bomber jacket, and you, that, that's going to be bomber jacket weekend, all right? And you can wear your, send in your pictures of your bomber jacket. And I say that half jokingly, but um, honestly, with that spiritual identity, appearance comes kind of a big deal to us, doesn't it? Yeah, we, we want to present ourselves well. And if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in our appearance that that's what gives us significance and not Jesus. We can be so caught up in pleasing people that gives us our significance and not Jesus. So Romans 6 through 8, we're going to talk about what it means
to truly drill down on who we are in Jesus Christ. All right. So we want to, we don't want to just know about Jesus. We want to know who Jesus is. So we go to John, right? Now, I want to stop here and say, these aren't, these aren't like, these aren't like curbside pickups that we're doing now, right? These aren't just takeouts. You got to spend some time in John. You got to invest in it. Anything worthwhile takes investment. And you got to invest in the book of John to know who Jesus is so that you can know him personally and intimately. And then you go to the Psalms and you read through the Psalms and then and you can understand how you talk with God, how you communicate with God, the importance of truly pouring your heart out to God, but always ending up with God. I don't understand all this stuff, but I trust you. Then you go to Romans chapter six and you, you learn your spiritual identity. One more, one more go-to place. Cut through the confusion, anchor yourself in Jesus Old Testament book of Daniel. Man, I love this book. Here's what we learn in Daniel. We learn in Daniel the clarity of conviction. The clarity of conviction. Now, in Daniel, you have chapters 1 through 6, and that focuses on stories about Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. And then you have 7 through 12, and that focuses on uh, prophecy. But man, there are some some gems, there's some gold in that prophecy, if you can make your way through that. The book of Daniel just says this. here's Here's the purpose of the book of Daniel. I want the world to know, Daniel says, that God is sovereign over all. He is sovereign over history. He doesn't make mistakes. He's never surprised by anything. And even when I live in a culture that is humanistic, that has a humanistic philosophy, even when I live in a culture that's anti-God, even in when I live in a culture that's postmodern, I still trust in God. I have, I have a conviction in him that is uncompromising. And then that gives me clarity to cut through the confusion. Three things about the book of Daniel. Again, a fascinating book. Here's a book. Parents, you can take your kids through the book of Daniel. Here's the first thing we learn from uh, the book of Daniel. We, we learn that clarity comes from a passion for God. Clarity comes from a passion for God. In, in, um, in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, here's what we read. We read, but, but the people who know their God, think about that, but the people who know their God will stand firm and take action. The people who know their God will, take, will stand firm and take action. Now, notice that that verse starts with but in contrast to something. And so before the context has been, uh, Daniel's been talking about people who didn't know God, uh, people who were watering down the message, people who were anti-God, people who were living apart from God, people who were living in sin, people who were trying to confuse the people of God. And Daniel says, in contrast to them, but the people of God, the people who know their God, they will stand firm and they will take action. We want to be people who know our God. We want to be people, well, we don't have, a, there's no back down in us. We stand firm and we take the needed action because we know our God. Here's a second point that we learn in Daniel. Clarity comes from great thoughts of God. Clarity comes from great thoughts of God. 
Daniel says in Daniel chapter four, verse 25, again, he, he, he wants everyone to know in the book of Daniel that God is sovereign. And so he says this in Daniel 4, 25, the most high rules the kingdom of men. That's like the theme verse for Daniel. The most high rules the kingdom of men. Then Daniel in chapter two, uh, verse 22, uh, and uh, uh, Daniel 2, verses 20 and 22. He says this, check this out. He says, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find it here. Here we go. Daniel chapter two, verse 20. Daniel said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To him belong wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He's, he's in charge of the times and the seasons and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. Now check this out. If you wanna cut through confusion, then you wanna make sure you're standing with God because he knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. God knows what's in the darkness and the light dwells with him. You see, Daniel says, man, it is so important that we are those who have great thoughts of God. A.W. Tozer says, what, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So as you go to these go-to verses, you learn who God is, how to talk with him through the Psalms, how to interact with him, this great God that we can communicate with. Great thoughts of God. One more thing in the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we learn that clarity comes. You want to cut through confusion. Clarity comes with an uncompromising conviction. Man, in the book of Daniel, we see these young men who had an uncompromising conviction. They were living in a pagan society, but they said, look, I, I am going to follow my God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember, uh, the king said, here's the deal. I'm gonna, make these, uh, I'm gonna make these idols. I want you to bow down before the idols. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not bow down before any idol. Throw us in a furnace, do whatever you want with us. We're not going to back down. We're not gonna bow down. Uh, Daniel, remember the story with Daniel? Um, uh, the, the edict went out. We want you to pray. We want everyone to pray to the king. You pray to the king. You don't pray to your God. You pray to the king. And here, I love the story. It says, as soon as Daniel knew that the king had signed the decree, you know what he did? He went up to his house. He went on the top floor. And he went by, a, he got by a window. He knelt down and he prayed to God. And he didn't do that just one time. He did that three times every day. Now, Daniel was not saying, oh, I'm against the government. I'm going to do whatever. I'm not going to do what the government says to do. Daniel prospered from the government of that day. He was advisor to the kings. But he's saying, if the, anything stands in the way of God, I will not do it. I will not compromise. I will not back down. Well, you say, well, that's fine and good. Uh, as you know, they were uh, delivered from the uh, lion's den. They were delivered from the fire. Well, think about it. They didn't know they were going to be delivered. And they didn't care really one way or another. We know other people in scripture, godly individual like John the Baptist, he was beheaded, but he stood for God. We, uh, Peter and Paul, they end up as martyrs, the disciples, but they stood for God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love the story. 
So the king says, uh, you bow down before this idol. And if you don't, what God's going to save you? <laughs> and I love what they say. Chapter three, verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even need to answer you in this matter. There's no panic at all. We really don't even need to think about this. There's no confusion in our minds here. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. If God wants to deliver us, he has all the power to do that. He is sovereign over all. He'll deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. You see, if he delivers us, great. If he doesn't, that's fine as well. But we will not compromise. We will not back down. So, we live in a confusing time, don't we? But we know that Jesus is our anchor. And we want to experience him as our anchor. So here's what we do. We go to the Gospel of John, and we learn who Jesus is, and we get to know him personally and intimately, a vital, continuous, living relationship, knowing Jesus, walking with him. And we go to the Psalms, and we learn how to pray. We learn how to talk with God. We learn how to share a request with God. We learn how to pour out our hearts with God. We, we, we learn how to let him have our confusion and our questions. And we always find that we can trust him because he's our shield. He's our rock. He's our fortress. He is immovable. He's our anchor. Then we go to Romans chapter six through eight. And there we learn our spiritual identity that in Christ, we're significant. Now we're safe, we're secure, we're accepted, we're forgiven, we're empowered. He gives us everything we need. And then we go to Daniel and we learn clarity of conviction. I will not back down because my God is sovereign over all. How do you cut through confusion? Know Jesus, learn how to pray know who you are in Christ and by the spirit of God who empowers you say this I will not back down I will stand by my conviction come what may Father that's our prayer we want to be those who can cut through all the stuff in our lives all the confusion in our life and say we will follow you we will trust you we want to have an intimate relationship, Jesus, with you. We don't want just to know about you. We want to walk right there with you. We want to talk with you in a, in, a, in a way that is natural and normal. And we want to know our identity in you. And Father, we want you to give us the conviction to show this watching world that we don't back down. We live in an uncompromising conviction because of our anchor, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.